just going to make another adjustment. Dancing in the moonlight. Is that better? It's cut me in its spotlight. It's all right. Dancing in the moonlight. Free hearing aids with PRSI at Specsavers. Music to your ears. Find out more online. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Conor Faulkman and this is Driving Life. Welcome to episode 21, where I meet Michael Nugent of Atheist Ireland. He's a familiar voice on the airwaves as the group's main spokesman, and he tells me about what brought him to activism, what he sees as the issues for atheists, especially in our school system. He also tells me of his work in partnership with Christian Evangelical and Ahmadi Muslim representatives, and his unlikely friendship with David Quinn. Do remember to check out previous episodes where I meet people like Frankie Sheehan, Teresa Mannion, Ivan Yates, Geraldine Herbert, Dermot Ferreter and others. They're all listed together nicely on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Just Google Driving Life with Connor Faulkman and you can email me at connorfaulkman at gmail.com. But now let's meet Michael. I popped round to his home in Drumcondra and we had a long chat. Michael Newton, it's nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, great to see you. And you're very good to host me. We're here in your study in Drumcondra, um, beautiful setting that it is. The walls are lined with books. Uh, it seems a cosy nook uh, for somebody who wanted to be a studious man and uh, step in and look at the world from here. Well, it creates the illusion of that anyway. It does, it does. Um, it's, they're mostly... Uh, Mostly oldish books, but well, by today's standards, a bit like a decade or so old because I get all my books now uh, on, on Kindle. Yeah, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, I'm the same. Um, and I see another uh, shelf full of um, obsolete technology there, a movie collection on DVD. Yeah, and box sets. And box of, sets. Of TV shows, yeah. 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 Because we're getting to an age now where I, I bet at one stage you had a big collection of VHS cassettes piled high. Well, I had. Well, if you look over there, you might see the remnants of it through most of the milk, but there's still a few old Leeds United 1970s video cassettes in there. Wow. Wow, well, I mean that that does date you. Um, so listen, thanks a million for talking to me. Let's let's chat a little bit about yourself because I think everybody will be aware of you through Atheist Ireland, um, which is where your voice most often uh, turns up. Um, but tell me a little bit about yourself and, and and what brought you there. You're a similar vintage to me, I think, and you're from this area, aren't you? I'm originally from just off uh, Ballymun Avenue, right. or as they call it now, Glasnevin Avenue. And <laughs> uh, we used to call it uh, Ballynevin Avenue when we were growing up. But um, originally from there. Um, went to school in St. Pat's which is just around the yeah. corner from where I'm living now yeah. in fact I'm now living closer to my primary school than I was when I was going to it <laughs> so I haven't really moved very far this apple didn't roll very far <laughs> no not, not at all But um, so I grew up in the 70s the era of uh, glam rock and Leeds yeah. United Slade Sweet Gary Glitter Flair um, jeans Flair jeans Long hair Then moving into um, Moving into Punk rock mm-hmm. um, Ramones Sex Pistols Stranglers etc I went to college In The College of Marketing Design Which is now part of The Dublin Institute of Technology Yeah VC College there And then Moved on to do Graphic design for a while mm. Then I decided that there was more to life than convincing somebody that eight-point Helvetica was more important than nine-point <laughs> Helvetica. 
And uh, then I started to get politically active then. Yeah. And uh, um, I, I was always kind of more into the big picture issues, mm. like the, the, the main issues that myself and and, uh, and my late wife were interested in, in campaigning against were terrorism in Northern Ireland and theocracy down here. Well, those were the issues that were right in front of us when we were youngsters, weren't they? Um, and I think a lot of our generation kind of burned with that passion. What about your own parents? Were, you, were they traditionally Irish or was it a sort of a, a, you know, was it natural that you grew up with those attitudes or were you kicking against something? Well, my parents were very liberal, certainly liberal for their time. Yeah. Um, they were, my, my dad was born in the 19, they were both born in the 1920s. My dad, oh, early right. 20s, my mother, late 20s. My dad was born in in, um, in Tipperary, just right. uh, during the Civil War. Right. Just, just in, in a little village called Artfinan, just down the road from where the, the, the anti-treaty forces had their base in Clonmel. Okay. And then my mother was one of the few of her generation, of, of, of the girls of her generation, who went on to college and became a teacher. So my dad was a health inspector. They were very liberal for their time. Uh, and um, they, now it was kind of odd thing in that they, they went to mass. Right. And my dad even did the readings at mass, but, but he was, you know, at best an agnostic. Um, so you became politically active at a time when things were trying to change in Ireland. I don't think they did in the 70s. And then we were knocked back often in the 80s, um, but the tide was trying to turn. Um, when did you decide to get specifically engaged on atheist politics? Or, or Because wasn't there, Atheist Ireland, I think, wasn't set up until the 2000s. No, that's right, yeah. yeah. I mean, earlier on, I mean, there'd be an overlap in, in, in that I was always campaigning, even when I was in college, on liberal issues okay. in, in terms of, of the influence that the Catholic Church mm. had on, on, on society here. I was uh, president of my students' union in the College of Marketing and Design. When I started, I, I, I met my then wife in the mid-80s, mm. Anne Holiday, and she was from Limerick, okay. and she was uh, an Anglo-Irish Protestant. So she was telling me about her experience mm. growing up in Limerick, where the Catholic children would spit at her and her Protestant friends on the way to school because wow. they were Protestants. Wow. Uh, I mean, Limerick, um, you know, I mean, I'm not generalising about the city as a whole, but some elements within Limerick were uh, shockingly sectarian historically. Yeah. God. So, so that that was that was the context in, in in which Anne grew up in Limerick. Then she moved to Dublin. She became a member of Fine Gael, mm. and at her first meeting in Fine Gael, um, Alice Glenn, who some oh, people of our generation will remember, uh, yes, Alice Glenn told that meeting that Protestants were the enemy of the people. Oh Lord! Uh, well, Alice Glenn, I think, is is an extreme example of of what um, the worst aspects of judgmental, pointy-ended, regimented, doctrinal Catholicism could lead to. Even when we were looking back at Conservative Ireland, she, even in their eyes, uh, was a, a vestige of an Ireland that was too conservative. Um, I just so. I hope and believe people didn't share her vision yeah. any more than people believed in comely maidens dancing at crossroads. <laughs> Some of what you say is also, but but it, it's strange to have where the centre of the debate was at that time, where it seemed natural to put an Alice Glenn um, on one side and and to present that broadly as the respectable side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can take it then that yours wasn't a faith journey. You, you're, you're not an, an ex-Christian who awoke in the light of 
science or whatever it was that turned your mind? Are you somebody that never truly had a deep faith and, and became active when you looked at the consequences of Yeah, well, well, in terms of the faith, like my, my parents, as I say, were quite liberal. They, they brought us to maths when we were children, mm. but they said, you know, make up your own mind whether you want to continue going. And, and, and so from then on, and I, w- I would have gone through a long phase of not necessarily not calling myself an atheist mm. on the basis that you know that it's too strong a claim it's too definitive because yeah. i think that you know the the, the 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 logical pure atheist would have to describe themselves as agnostic because they'd have to say that they remain open uh, to the possibility that evidence might exist and evidence if found will change their mind yeah and that's the conclusion that i came to however there's a nuance on top of that look i would describe myself i was describe myself technically as an agnostic atheist yeah i'm i'm an atheist because i believe i strongly believe there are no gods mm. based on applying reason to the best available evidence but i'm technically an agnostic in that i might be mistaken yeah. however it, it, it's misleading to describe myself in that way because it creates the impression that I might think is a 50-50 chance. Yeah, you know, exactly. where, Whereas technically speaking, I'm agnostic on everything. Agnostic as to whether or not there are fairies at the bottom of the garden. Yeah, yeah. Um, there doesn't appear to be any evidence to suggest that there is, but, you know, should evidence come along, I'd be willing to look at it. Yeah. Um, and likewise with uh, likewise with religion. So I, I, I won't propose to deep dive with you because I, th- you know, I think we large agreement with each other. So I won't do a deep dive on whether the atheist position is true or not. Um, you know, leave that to each individual on reflection and um, to, to follow their own journey there. Um, but what's definitely true is that we do have a social conversation going on uh, and there are people who use their religion as the trump card in that social conversation. So it's that political problem that you engaged in really is that you're you're not out there to convert Catholic Catholics to atheism. You're out there to ensure that atheism is not discriminated against in our society. Yeah. I mean we will argue and we attend debates if we're invited to, we will argue that atheism is a more reliable worldview mm. than faith. Not necessarily no than, than religion, but than just faith generally. I mean you can have faith in secular projects. Yeah. People can have faith in in the free unregulated free market people in faith in Brexit people in faith in all sorts of things well I suppose its definition is belief in something in the absence of evidence yeah or certainly I would say disproportionately to the evidence yeah so 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 there's we build it up but primarily you're right what we do primarily is campaign for separation of church and state Hmm. and in doing that we would specifically and explicitly say that we would be just as opposed to the state supporting atheism mm-hmm. as we are to the state supporting religion. And Atheist Ireland works alongside the Evangelical Alliance of Ireland and the Ahmadi Muslim Community of Ireland okay. on these issues because they're discri- discriminated against as well because the, the Evangelicals are discriminated because the state gives disproportionate support to the Church of Ireland outside of the Catholic Church. Yeah. And the Ahmadi Muslims are discriminated against because the state typically goes through the Sunni Muslim community who detest the Ahmadi Muslim community to the extent that they don't consider themselves them to be uh, Muslims. So so, so there, there, there are a, a lot of groups that are discriminated against and by you, the way the state uh, gives, gives preference to the major religions. Uh, and do you find sort of legitimate allies there? Do you, do you work together? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think what it comes down to though is, is, is it's, it's not really to do with belief. I mean, a lot of people have different beliefs and, and this goes beyond 
religion versus atheism. Mm. So, you know, any political issue, different people will have different beliefs. Sure. So we found within uh, the Evangelical Alliance of Ireland with, with the Bishop called Nick Park mm. and the Ahmadi Muslim community within an imam called Ibrahim Noonan that they're, uh, that they're people of, of nuance and integrity who hold their beliefs just as strongly as we hold yes. ours, uh, and we disagree completely on, on, on the underlying worldviews, but, but we respect each other's right to hold different beliefs, and we all agree that the state, in order to protect equally everybody's right to hold their beliefs, mm -hmm. that the state has to remain neutral. Okay, so there are a number of countries in the world where you could point to and look at problems. In America, the debate is a sharp one, um, sometimes an extreme one, and you could look at an outcome like insisting that the Ten Commandments are displayed in a schoolroom, um, or, or, or even preventing the teaching of evolution in a science class um, for, for, for biblical reasons. And we can look from Europe and say, geez, that's horrendous. Um, what you call foul on is, is the pervasive presence of the Catholic Church in our institutions of state, particularly in education. Um, and it's there perhaps for legacy reasons. If we were designing a state, we wouldn't design it like this. What's your take on that now? What are your concerns now? And, and what do you think needs to change? Well, the first thing I would say is we've made a lot of progress in, even in the last decade since Atheist Ireland was founded. I don't mean we're responsible for mm. that change, but there has been a lot of change. When we started, one of our main aims when we were starting was just to normalise the use of words like atheism and secularism. Okay. which were seen as like just, if, if you look at Dáil records, we did a search over the Dáil records for the word atheism. It was very rarely used. And when it was used, it was either used as an insult or as a joke. Mm. Um, where, where, whereas now, if you look, if you search the Dáil records for the word atheism, it's typically TDs referring to some sort of, you know, policy submission from Atheist Ireland on yeah. the secular yeah. um, elements of something that's going through through the, their ups and so on. So it's now part of the debate. Now that may sound like a very low bar, but that's, that's where, where we we were like you know 10 or 12 years ago it's still difficult for politicians anywhere to describe themselves as atheist and um, because in many societies there's a connotation there that um, you know you you reject many of our social values it's not that you don't believe in transubstantiation many catholics when they interrogate themselves don't believe in that either i think it's atheist is seen as a declaration that there are aspects of our society that you reject and, and I think that's the fear religious people have of atheism, if you want. Yeah. And that's why politicians are so loath to self-describe as atheists. Yeah, although there has been a lot of progress, as I say, in the, la in the last decade. If you take, the say, the referendums over the last decade, yeah. and particularly, say, the last three, um, the marriage equality, abortion and blasphemy. Mm. That's three referendums where there's been a consistent, more or less two to one majority yeah. in favour of a kind of secular uh, approach to, to, to these issues. Now, that's quite significant because that's more than there was in, in the other way. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We it's were an amazing swing. And I remember, I'm sure you do too, the day the first divorce was the day the divorce referendum was eventually passed by a whisker, by a hair, yeah. by the toss of a coin. Um, so that was probably, as you say, the, 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 the swing moment. Because yeah. it was just after, so the, the 80, early 80s, you had the the abortion referendum. Yeah. Um, I suppose that then you had, uh, uh, coming shortly after the, the John Paul visit, which, right. which was the hysteria at the time. Yeah. So that's probably, I would say you're right, that mid-80s is, is probably the, the, the start of the yeah, with, with the with the visit of John Paul, probably in hindsight, the high watermark. 
Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times? Visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook. Why are atheists always on one side of these culture war conversations and the religious always on the other? Yeah, well, with, with the with the proviso thing, almost always, I would say that there, there's... There's a group of social scientists, interdisciplinary social scientists, who, who do a, a surveys every so often that they call the World Value Survey. Yeah. And they, they, there's a website where you can go into all sorts of detail about it. But it's really, it's fascinating. So they're mapping um, human values across yeah. various areas with social change. What they're finding is that when enough people in a society move sufficiently away from survival values and towards self-expression values, yeah. um, which is triggered by things like investment in health, education, uh, communications, technology, yes. um, control of your own, well, not necessarily control of your own life, but self-perceived control of your, yes. of your own life, moves towards democracy. When, when, when sufficient people move along that scale as individuals, then societies tend to move away from traditional religious values mm. and towards secular rational values. And that's the pattern all around the world at different speeds and different places yeah. in different places but so, so, so I, I think that's what it is I mean the the the, the uh, a, a kind of more cynical way of, of, of putting it is is that you know religion thrives when when people are desperate yeah or, or when people are poorly educated um <clears throat> or when people are poor um and again those could be harsh criticisms even if they do sometimes play out true because there are clearly many many very very thoughtful religious people who are um extremely active socially in all sorts of issues and probably have a large degree of overlap with you and me um and motivated by compassion the best of people um but here in ireland the sort of le legacy problems that we have, the, the, the sheer presence of the Catholic Church pervading the institutions of healthcare, certainly, but education. Um, what are the specific examples of that? And, and you know, what, what are the rules that you could change or would change if, 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 um, if Atheist Ireland could have everything that it wanted? Well, the first thing is that it is absolutely outrageous that the Catholic Church runs 90% of our state-funded primary schools. Mm and still has uh, exemptions in our Equality Acts that allow them to discriminate on the grounds of religion in order to maintain their religious ethos. Mm -hmm. Now, the whole idea of having religious ethos in schools as, as essentially the state school system, which is, which is what it is in reality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be fine if you, had a, if you had a state school system that was neutral and people wanted to have as an alternative that religious schools because they wanted religious yeah. schools, that's fine. But, but it's not the alternative in Ireland, it is the system. And, and control is 
in, in, in a fact, we've a really odd system. That it's, it's almost unique in the world that, that the state doesn't run education. The state in, in, in the constitution, the phrase that, that that makes that makes the state responsible for education says that it will provide for education. Yeah, that it will provide education, and it provides for education by ceding control to patrons, and those patrons are disproportionately the local bishop. Yeah. Now, some of them are groups like Educate Together, but even that's a problem. I mean, they're, they're obviously far better schools than, than religious schools in terms of e- equality based education. Mm-hmm. But they are, but, but all they really do is provide uh, a, a safety valve for mostly middle class urban parents yeah. um, at the expense of uh, non-religious and minority fed people in rural areas being left behind because people go, oh, well, look, sure, you've got so many educated together skills. Yeah. Well, listen, I know people who've made choices for their own children based around, you know, a, a desire not to engage with a, with a school that has a religious ethos. Uh, and I do get that. But I think most people, you know, probably don't care that much. Um, and this might seem like loose thinking, but, but I am of the view that if you... Nowadays, we discuss the church a lot in the light of recent scandals and conversations that you've engaged in and have have begun, if you like, Michael. Um, So we're having that conversation. 20 years ago, we didn't. The cliche then, or the stereotype then was, well, you know, at least the Catholic Church can run the schools properly. Um, You know, at least the children come out knowing how to read and write with a good standard of basic education. And I don't care if Johnny got the odd clip in the ear or if they had to listen to some nonsense from the priest. They came out able to do their exams, whereas these tree-hugging lefty state school type, you know, want, want to take a bath in equality conversations and not even educate the bloody kids. So I'm going to go to a Catholic school because they'll teach them. And I think a lot of people felt that. You know, we have a system which had good quality national schools, primary schools. well, I think that's a generation thing. I, I, I doubt yeah. very many of younger parents would would take that view today. Mm. Up to, say, a decade ago, 15 years ago, uh, there, there was still a, a large number of the population who were thinking that way. Yeah. I think people have moved on from that. I think that the task now is not changing people's minds, but getting the state to catch up with the people. The, the difficulty is... That because of the the laws that were put in place at a time when the church did have control over yeah. the minds of the people, and then bolstered by the constitution from the nineteen thirties, yes, um, that that the, the Catholic Church has has a an embedded power disproportionate to their influence over the people. Yeah. So if you were designing it again, you wouldn't design it the way it is now. But you might say the same about the rail system or the road system, um, and yet. It's the one we have. We're not going to go pulling it all up again to build motorways in slightly different places. So again, to the, the lazy parent who says, do you know what? I, I, I can take or leave the hocus pocus. In any case, I give my kid any religious education he wants or doesn't want at home. Um, but the school is there and it's run properly. And wh- why do we just want to pull it all down? Is, is the Catholic legacy um, just part of the wallpaper or is it truly important? Well, it, it depends on what view you take on human rights. And, and human rights, the concept of human rights developed to protect individuals from the tyranny of the majority. Yes. And so, it, so to some extent, it doesn't matter what most parents think. Hmm. If, if any one parent is discriminated against on the grounds of their religious or non-religious beliefs. And I'll, I'll, I'll put it to this, because this is a, 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 something that we, that we do to, to uh, try and get people to rethink that attitude. 
is we say hypothetically, now stress, we're not looking for this, but yeah. hypothetically, if you reverse the situation and if there was even one state funded school that actively taught children that there's no God, yeah. if hypothetically, in order to be president, you had to swear that there's no God, everybody would realise yes. that's absolutely outrageous. That's nothing to do with being yeah. president. It, and by the way, that, that, that oath is not just the president and no, it's judges, the, the judges, yeah, yeah. but it's also members of the Council of State, which includes the Taoiseach and Tónishta. So a conscientious atheist cannot become Taoiseach or Tónishta in Ireland. If you take the, the somewhat arcane words of the oath, that literally, I think most people in a modern sense don't. So if I was compelled to swear on a Bible in court, um, I understand that I'm, I'm not attesting to my belief of the literal truth of the Bible. The gesture, the punctuation, arcane in its origin, just serve to say that I know I'm making a solemn promise here and I know that my word uh, is being given. Um, now, the fact that it's an anachronism, a quaint custom to use a Bible to do that, is it just a quaint custom or, or is it something more insidious than that? Well, it's more insidious for two reasons. One is it's part of a, a kind of background noise of... of um, religion, you know, and, and along with the Angelus and on, before the news and, and a whole lot of things that are just and, and our politicians starting every day by praying that that that, that uh, the Christian God will guide every action and, and, and word of theirs. I mean, there's, th there's that kind of background nonsense that 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 that, that at best means that, that we're institutionalizing hypocrisy. Yeah. And, uh, and so at, at but, but again, I want to go back to the, the, the other point. If hypothetically, um, in going to court, mm. a religious person had to swear there's no God in order to give evidence. They wouldn't go, oh, well, that's, that's, that's grand. I'll just swear there's no God. Yeah. They'll go, of course there's a God. How dare you ask me that's to swear self, there's no God? That's self-evidently unacceptable. And well, it's equally self-evidently unacceptable the oh, other way around. I, I, you I see, agree, be, be, yeah. because, we, we, because we've grown up with one side of that coin, we're desensitised to, to mm. what, what a, a breach of human rights it is. And they, these, I, mean, I know this may sound... But imagine uh, if you were a Jewish witness in a court in the 19th century expected to swear on a Christian Bible. It would have been yeah, 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 and in fact, there, there was a case in, in, in. I mean, these these cases have been have been settled at the European Court of Human Rights. Yeah. You know that, that it's it is it is a breach of human rights. And when you think about it over over the the course of history, I mean, the the, the rights to things like freedom of religion or belief and the right to mm. freedom of expression these are just very fundamental human rights that yes. people have, have died for over yes. the, over the years. So I mean, the the, the idea and the, this is part of I know you're you're you know, being devil's advocate in the way that you phrase that, 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 that thing. But, but it, 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 what, what you are paraphrasing is an Irish nod-in-the-wink approach to yes. everything. Yes. That, that, that really is, is, is an underlying problem that, that yeah. we need to move beyond. I, I, I sometimes I'm suspicious of, of um, the, the iconoclasts, the people who, who go after gestures, um, you know, who would, uh, on an atheist side, who would literally care more about taking the crucifix down off the wall uh, than about the actual education of the children. Um, or, or, or think that the moment I take the crucifix down off the wall, my own social agenda can now get taught to these children without criticism. Um, so I, I, I worry about that. And, and I also worry, are these the correct uh, fights? Um, I, I mean, I, as I say, are they a simple anachronisms and, and legacy stuff? Or are they actually the social issue? Well the, well, the main fight in terms of education is control of the schools. Yeah. 
the uh, equality laws having exemptions that allows the Catholic Church to discriminate on the grounds of religion. Mm. Um, the, the, and, and the fact that there, there are in place on an international human rights basis a set of guidelines called the Toledo Guidelines on, on Education about religions and beliefs in a okay. glorious way, which, are, which essentially come down to that, that we should teach about religions and beliefs in an objective, critical and pluralistic way, but that schools shouldn't be promoting the, the you know the truth of any particular yeah. belief. Now, when I go back to the the, the other point you've made, because it, it, it's 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 a false um, dichotomy when you say are you, are you uh, more interested in the crucifixes on the wall or the education of the children? Yeah, you can be interested in both. True, and, yes. and, 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 but it's the and, and you, and, Yeah, but they're, they're part of the same issue. Like you can argue quite cogently that taking the crucifixes off the wall contributes to a better education in the same way as a religious parent would would doubtless say that if they went into if they had to send their child to a school where there's a sign on the wall saying there is no God. They would say that that take that sign down. A neutral environment is one that is, is inclusive for everyone. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another another example yeah. that, that I think is take it off education, but it's the exact same principle. Uh, when my wife Anne died, mm. um, uh, and she, she gave her body to uh, Trinity College for for medical Very science. Good. Yeah, yeah, I know somebody else did. Yeah, that, so. and and and. and one of the options when when you do that is what do you want to be done with your body afterwards? Yes. And she said that they have a, they have a plot in Glasnevin Cemetery. The three Dublin medical schools have a joint plot. Okay. Where, and she said, okay, well, I'll, I'll be buried there, so it'll be part of of, of that. And then, uh, so it was a couple of years later when when they'd finished with her body, and, the, and the, I got the notice saying that the funeral funeral will be this time, and I went down to check it in. And there was, there was just, there's just one plot, and then there's not individual gravestones; it's just one stone. Yeah. And it had a an overtly religious message on it about okay. you know uh, praying for the souls and visitors, you know, and a whole about, about a, a Christian message. And I, I said to the Dublin Medical Schools, I, I said, why are you burying people who don't have that religious belief, you know, under, under stone like that? I said, I said, yeah. I said you wouldn't, again, using the analogy I'm talking about, I said, you wouldn't dream of burying Christian people under a stone that says there's no God. So, so, and they agreed and they changed that stone. Yeah. And so there is now a stone, there is now a stone in that plot that is inclusive of everybody. And that regardless of whether, whether you um, believe in God or don't believe in God, yeah. everybody can on an equal basis go there to remember their, 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 their dead loved ones with, with, without having to have a sign that, that, that is against their conscience. I do buy the justice of that. Yeah. I mean, e even if there are people who use the word God in a poetic sense, in a sense that simply means, uh, um, uh, you know, the magnificence and scale of nature being beyond ordinary human understanding yeah. and, 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 you know, reference that poetically throughout our literature as God or the divine. Um, but that's obviously very different from uh, taking it literally and then imposing those literal beliefs on yeah. other parts of society. So in Ireland, our scorecard is, you know, good and bad in terms of that conversation. We've obviously got a lot of history there. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about Atheist Ireland's connections with atheism internationally? Um, because, you know, we can have quite a quite a middle class conversation in your in your wonderful Dublin home and you and I both live in a secure society. Um, there are places where 
the strength of, of, of religion um, weighs massively on the rights of citizens of countries. So, uh, what international involvement would you have? Well, we're involved on, on a number of levels. One is we work with individual groups in other countries. We work with uh, the Council of Ex-Muslims in Britain. In fact, we we host their website and our server. We've kind of got a, a relationship with them. Okay, yeah. We work with a group called the uh, Freedom from Religion Foundation in America, I which campaigns for, yeah. for, for uh, um, to protect, they're trying to protect separation of church and state. We're trying to bring it about. Yeah. And then there are other, other areas where, where there are the, the, the most difficult situations are, are, are in, largely in Islamic states where currently, where, where, currently, where, where people are, are uh, you know, persecuted, not discriminated against, but persecuted. And, and, and equally, they're, they're on, on, you know, in, in places like, you know, China and, and Russia and the Korea, Muslims you know, they're, 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 they're other areas. Yeah. So, so, uh, but, but also where, where, where Christians will be um, persecuted. In, uh, like when, when we were campaigning to remove our blasphemy law here, one of the primary um, things we campaigned on was was that the Islamic states at the United Nations were citing the Irish blasphemy law yes. as, as what they wanted uh, um, to, to be put in place internationally. And there was a woman who was kind of this, the centre of our campaign, a woman called Asiya Bibi, who was a Christian woman in mm. Pakistan, who was uh, was facing execution for for um, blasphemy. For for what typically happens in, the, in these countries is is there be a row between neighbours, someone will yeah. accuse somebody else of blasphemy, and then the police will come and arrest the, the person who's yeah. accused. Yeah, three hundred years ago, they would have said witchcraft. Yeah, for the same exactly. In malicious intention. And so, so on 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 that basis, like, like when like Pakistan is is particularly bad, and and when when the United Nations was questioning Pakistan most recently on on the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Um, we went over as a delegation with the Ahmadi Muslims of Ireland mm-hmm. and the Evangelical Alliance of Ireland to speak out on behalf of Christians and uh, and Ahmadi Muslims and atheists in Pakistan who can't speak out for themselves for obvious reasons. You were saying that sometimes the people who aren't directly affected have to be the ones yeah. to pick up the yeah. So, so we, 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 we do always have, have a, a strong international element to what we do. It should be a broad church uh, to pun. I mean, yeah. intellectually, atheism should yeah. be a, a because, you know, there, in a sense, there's no positive definition of an atheist. Um, an atheist is the lack of uh, belief in the supernatural or the divine. So, but that in turn means that atheists aren't necessarily political allies. You, no. You could... Well- yeah, yeah. Although there is, I mean, it's slightly more nuanced than that. I think that there, there, although uh, being an atheist doesn't necessarily correlate with any specific political view. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily correlate with, with with two very fundamental worldviews, which is that um, a naturalist view of, of, of understanding reality yeah. and a naturalist view of understanding morality. So 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 even if you if you don't take if you can you can end up with different beliefs. But but by saying but by being an atheist, you're 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 saying we do not get our morality from some supernatural yes. source. So so that brings us on to well, where, where does morality come from? And, and typically the naturalist view is, 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 is that it's an evolutionary uh, response to, to social animals living mm-hmm. together and it's based on things like empathy and compassion and cooperation and reciprocity yes. and fairness and justice. Now, although you can then go off in a whole load of different directions can, from yes, that, yeah. but it's, it's still a pretty fundamental foundation that's very different from God tells you. Yeah, exactly. I, and, you know, I completely share your analysis. I won't even pretend to be neutral here because um, I, 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 I think morality 
morality is a human construct. Uh, but where I would differ from the religious is that I think that is what makes it noble. I think that, um, you know, to arrive at morality rationally and um, to decide that, you know, it's not a law of nature that human life be valued. Um, nature doesn't value human life. I picked a dead sparrow off my doorstep yesterday. The universe, sadly, uh, sees human lives that way. It is humans themselves that elevate human lives and create human rights. And as I say, all the more noble for doing so. And what I like about doing it that way is that you have to justify it. So you have to look at the philosophy that many religions arrive at, which is broadly the golden rule. Um, but you have to put a rational construct around the golden rule. And that's what seculars try to do. Whereas at any stage in that conversation, the religious person can choose to stop thinking by saying, it's God's law. Um, and, and I think the mere act of them not thinking, I, I think, weakens weakens the argument of morality from religion. Yeah. And I would take it even wider than that. I, I'm, uh, I'm a vegan and I consider, I, I don't consider humans to be particularly special mm. in, in the overall scheme of evolution. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at, at, at the evolution of morality through non-human animals, mm. uh, you know, all... There are, I'll give you an, an obvious example. Um, uh, most species look after their young. Mm. And the reason for that is evolutionarily, species that didn't look after their young... The, are the, not the, the young, Yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. So, 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 so that, there's something that, that has come through, through, through evolution. So, so morality is not just restricted to humans. What we have, is we have, what we have as an additional thing is we, we, we have the capacity for rational thought to analyse it. Yes. Um, but, but, but what we're analysing is pretty similar to, to what non-human animals do among their own species. And what we're doing gradually, and I would hope uh, will, will continue to extend, is because we have this rational ability to, to mm. analyse it, we've gradually extended the circle of, of, of our compassion and empathy and, and, and justice, yeah. you know, from, from the family to the tribe, to the nation, to all humans, to to at least some non-human animals now, largely yeah. pets, you know, but, but, and, so but and, and I would hope that eventually we will include all sentient beings. I think I think we're getting there, not just sentient beings, in the sense that we, we're, we're part of the entire ecosystem, the entire planet. So the climate conversation tells you a lot about that. Um, but I think, again, a weakness specifically in the Judeo-Christian religions um, is this notion placed into myth that man has dominion over the world. Um, you know, that God created order and strata and put man above the natural world. And Yeah, and particularly when we learn more and more about the scale of the universe, mm. which the people who came up with those gods weren't aware of. Yes. You know, they thought that the earth was the centre of everything. I mean, the, the idea when we look at the scale of the universe now, that, that of, of, of these trillions of galaxies with billions of, 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 uh, yeah. of stars like our sun in, in each of them, the, the, the idea that some being created all of this and then just went, well, uh, you know, first of all, I'll wait 13 billion years yeah. and then I'll pick one planet orbiting one sun in, in one solar system, mm. in one galaxy. And, uh, and and then I'll pick one species on that planet. Yeah. And I'll pick one person in that species and I'll say, you know, I've got to tell that man not to gather sticks on the Sabbath. Not all religious people are in that intellectually ridiculous position of being biblical literalists. Most will say that 
Bible stories are metaphor, they're an, an attempted dialogue about morality, and they are steered by something greater than the individual, something greater than the society. Um, and, and, and that's where their belief in God would come from. That and also a belief that they've interacted with, you know, they've had a life experience that's convinced them um, and culture and background and all of those things. So I, I think let's not make the mistake of making a cartoon character of our opponent and pointing out how ridiculous that cartoon yeah, is. Yeah, although there's elements in which the, the, the cartoon elements of biblical literature have an integrity that, that some of the, the, the more nuanced mm. uh, theologians don't have, which is that if you start saying, well, uh, these are metaphors and, uh, you know, that was for particular people at a particular time and, yeah. and, and we've moved on from that. But by saying that, you then have to uh, address the question of how do you know which bits are metaphors? Yeah, indeed. And how do you know which bits God meant for them and doesn't mean for us? Yeah. And, and so once you, once you reach uh, that when stage... When exactly did he change his mind yeah, about slavery? And, 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 and what flows from that is the realisation that if you take that approach, which is obviously closer to reality, mm. um, but if you take that approach, then what you are doing is you are uh, applying your own sense of reality and your own sense of morality to these books. Yeah. You're not getting your sense of reality and morality from the yeah. books. You're applying your inherent sense of morality. So that, that's, the Sam, that's the Sam Harris argument very well put. You know, the suicide bomber, the lunatic pulling the string and detonating believes literally in his holy book um, literally believes it to be true so he's not killing anybody and he's certainly not dying himself uh, he's a young man and the moment he pulls this string he's got 76 virgins to play with yep. and that's what he's going to do um, but he's acting rationally in the sense because he believes the book the people who are intellectually dishonest are those who know that when you look at the detail of the book it's got to be horrible and wrong, um, yet still want the authority that the book gives them. Yeah. And hence they put their hand on their breast and they talk about God. And, you know, they quite easily overlook the nasty bits and cherry pick the nice bits. A friend of mine said that fictional Jesus is a terrific role model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And perhaps he is, but but you have to understand. Well, he's, he's not even. There's a lot of horrible things that the fictional Jesus has. has, 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 has fictional yeah, Jesus, yeah. because if you count, if, you know, if you count everything that Jesus yeah. did, oh, sorry, there's a separate argument as to whether he ever actually yeah. existed at yeah. all. But, but fictional Jesus as written and um, yeah. even then you have to be selective oh, yeah. you know not, yeah. not be slaying people before you or stuff like yeah. that um, but the nice bits are truly nice and it can be a good idealization of the golden rule and can give you standards to live up to and surely that's what those biblical texts were meant to be as the, you know as they were written well well the, the, the thing about those texts is they were written over a period of of, of decades uh, in, in, in different circumstances. It, it, like the, if you look chronologically at the books of, of, of the, the Bible, mm. and particularly, let's, let's even ignore the Old Testament because that's because clearly... That's difficult to defend, yeah. clearly yeah. being... So let's just take the New Testament. So yeah. you, you start off with the, the chronologically the first books that were written were the, the early, both Paul and, and, um, and Mark were talking about uh, a human Jewish 
apocalyptic preacher. If you look at it in the, if you look at it chronologically in the order in which they were written, and, and how you start off with this Jewish preacher, then you have his his relationship with God starts off from his resurrection with Paul, then it goes back to his baptism with Mark, then it goes back to his conception with Matthew and Luke, yeah. and then it goes back to who's there from the beginning so, so, with John. So, 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 so you can see how this human evolves over time in the so stories it, it into was, a God. It, it was revisionist even as it was being written. Yes. And then of course you have to wait 400 years or so to the Council of Nicaea and, and Constantine to decide which bits became canonical yes. which bits became ex-canonical. So, and, and as I say, many, many com, you know committed religious people wouldn't dispute any of the data or any of the facts therein. Um, so we arrive at the modern conversation here in Ireland do you think you are winning this conversation? Um, and if so, why do you think that is? And, and, and where do you think it might wobble? Well, I, I don't think campaigners win things really. I don't think campaigners bring about social change. I think what happens is... It's a much better phrase, Michael, yeah. because even in saying winning, I'm, I'm, this is exactly what I criticise people for. It, it, it shouldn't be seen yeah. that way. But I, I don't think we even bring about the social change that some people might call as winning. I think what happens is uh, society, the, the, the cumulative effect of everybody doing everything you know, weaves to and fro and it's it's gradually moving in, in a particular direction. Ireland. I think because of the, the elements we talked about earlier in terms of the World mm. Value Survey, I think maybe the, the scandals here might have speeded it up a bit, but I think it would have happened anyway. Um, but what happens, I think, is uh, say if you take abortion, mm. um, where there was constant pressure uh, and then suddenly with the Sevita Halapanavar incident, yeah. the change became inevitable. Yeah. Now, I think that's what, that's what happened with the Berlin Wall. That's what happened with the end of apartheid in South Africa. So, you so something they, will happen with the schools yeah, that, that, that will make it on the, the status quo untenable. And at that stage, all the work we have been doing will be, become retrospectively useful because there'll be a roadmap for, well, where do you go from here? Yeah. Do you know, I think a mistake we can make is to think in Ireland, certainly, that um, social progress is like a ratchet. They yeah. put an awful lot of effort into getting a click forward, but forward you now are. You're now yeah. thinking about the next click. And that might have been true for us, but the ratchet has clicked backwards in some places, notably in the United States, yeah. Um, yeah. and could click backwards here too. Yeah. And, and, and also, if, if you take the wider world, say if you take the, the Catholic Church, and we, we, we can see here the Catholic Church is losing its, its, its influence. Yeah. Um, but globally, the Catholic Church is growing. But it's growing in the global south. It's growing in the global you know? south. And it, so it's growing in, 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 in like there's 75% of Catholics are now in, in, in you know, uh, Latin America, mm. Sub-Saharan Africa, South and Central, South Central Asia. Um, I think in the, in the secular West, we sort of like to predict the demise um, yeah. and say that, um, I mean, there's a quote from Einstein talking about war. He said, war was a disease of childhood. And, you know, that we haven't proved that to be true yet. It was an yeah. optimistic take on humanity. Like, is religion a disease of childhood for humanity? Or is, or is that just... Well, it's a, it, well, if you look at the World Value Surveys, it would seem that it's 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 a disease of um, of of early development of societies, and that yeah. as societies develop, that, that and, and, and as people move away from survival values, that that's when religion becomes less less relevant to them. And they shouldn't be running countries. Well, <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't be influencing the, the politicians. I mean, po the politicians in 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 a, a republic should be there 
to protect equally everybody's rights. Mm. And, and as I was saying earlier, the only way with regard to religion or belief and, and non-religious philosophical beliefs have the same status as religion and human rights law in terms yeah. of being, being protected. So, so the only way for the state to protect equally everybody's right to either religious or non-religious belief is for the state to remain neutral on that issue. And, and so, so yeah. the state should not be running schools or should not be funding schools or certainly shouldn't be funding most schools as, as, as would, being religious would, schools. Would you fund an Islamic school if the Islamic community were to say to you, well, look, we are a community, we want to have a school, state helps everywhere else. Why would, would you help us? Well, th there are a couple of Islamic schools, but yeah. again, they're, they're Sunni schools, so they discriminate. Again, you see, you, you, and the Ahmadi Muslims don't want Islamic schools, they want secular schools that everybody okay. can attend. And in fact, there's a, a, another kind of prominent Muslim cleric uh, called Umar al-Qadri, um, yeah, yeah. who, who also says that he doesn't want Islamic schools. He, he sends his children to local schools because he wants his children to grow up with the, the, the kids' children in the local community. So, so, so it's, it, it's not a case of assuming that all religious people want uh, separate schools. And even if they did, and even if you, if, if you felt that was a good idea, you literally cannot have enough schools for each religious and non-religious yeah. belief in each area to, to, to satisfy that. Ways the pastafarians come at you. Yeah, then, all, yeah, all you end up doing at best is allowing the larger religions to discriminate against smaller religions and everybody to discriminate against the eight. Um, do you feel as if uh, you're moving into a different stage of the conversation here in Ireland? It's kind of odd. I, I think to some extent, particularly younger people, I think to some extent we've almost skipped over some of the final changes in, in that a lot of younger people now just go, well, it's just not relevant to my life. Yeah. So I'm just, I, I'm not interested in it. And and, and so there's less... Uh, um, it's less just the parent who doesn't care about the crucifix on the wall. Tell me about the exams course. And you say, well, that's a little blind as well. Yeah, but what they're doing is, is, is and it, you, you can apply this to everything. It's not just religion. What they're doing is they're saying... Um, yeah, I'm all right, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so 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 the parents who do find it an imposition against their freedom of conscience and against their human rights, let them sort that out themselves. And yeah. and I, I don't I don't think that's the way that we should be running society. I think we should all be looking out for each other. We should all be trying to protect everybody's rights. And in the in the, in the same way, like like there's an issue, for example, at the moment, where some uh, religious people are complaining about um, the the uh, possibility of sex education that that they would object to mm. be, being imposed in schools. Now there's another area of that which is, is is that it'll be taught in most schools in accordance with the ethos of the school, which is Catholic. Yeah. But let, let's park that for a second. Yeah. And let, let's assume that, 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 that their religious parents who have a conscientious objection to the state teaching their children sex education that goes against their Catholic values. Mm. Well, I agree with those parents. Yeah. And, and I, I would support them in saying they have the right for their children to not attend that if it's against their conscience. Do, do, they, have a conscientious, do they have a right to conscientiously object to the maths curriculum? Now, I, I, I say that facetiously because yeah. when you get to science, you, you can reach that interface where, the, you know, so wh wh where does the child's right to a full education come up against the parent's right to choose their, you know, choose what their child gets? As I say, can you take a child out of science class the same way you can take them out of religion class? And should you be allowed to? Well, if you take human rights law as the basis, which we try to do on a lot of things, because yeah. it's the closest that you can get to an objective set of criteria yeah. that we're not coming up with and we're not just promoting what we want. If you take human rights law, the, 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 the test in human rights law for being 
able to, on the grounds of conscience, take your child out of out of a, a subject, is if it's not being taught objectively, critically, and pluralistically. That, that's the test. So, so, so it, it, it can happen. And then there's an odd situation in Ireland, which is just starting to rebound on the Catholic Church, which is that the 1937 Constitution, because it was based on Catholic principles, mm. gives, and this, this is, this is a, one of the High Court judgments on a relevant case uh, that, 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 that made, made this comment, gives Irish, Irish parents more control over the education of their children than human rights law does. Because it's based on, on, on the parental authority over the education of your children yeah. is a fundamental pillar of the Irish constitution. Now, that was there to protect religious people uh, initially. But, but now what we're pointing out now to, to the Department of Education is those same rights apply to us as non-religious uh, parents. Yeah. We have the, 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 the same, exactly the same rights as religious parents to have our children educated in conformity with our philosophical principles. Now, that and, and that's consistent with human rights law as well. Mm. But, but it, so, so that's the, but the, the, the test to answer your, your question, the test is whether it's been delivered objectively, critically and pluralistically. Okay. Um, so listen, thank you very much for that, Michael. How do you see the future? Um, are, are you happy with the direction of travel in our society? Are you worried about fights coming down the road? I'm generally optimistic by nature. Yeah. Um, now, what I will say is, is, is that there is now a danger, and I think it's largely come about because of the internet. And it's, it's made me slightly in my own mind move towards... I, I've pretty, pretty much been a centrist in terms of state regulation. Yeah. I'm beginning to feel now that there should be more regulation, particularly of online technologies, because of the impact that the internet and the major social media companies have yeah. on, on what is effectively now the public square. Yeah. And it's controlled by private entities. And, and one of the difficulties that, 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 that is, is arising from that and, and the tribalism that follows from it is that a lot of groups who who I would broadly agree with in terms of their philosophy and, and, yeah. and, and, so, and social aims are themselves becoming authoritarian. And, and are, and are saying, yes. and are, and are, it's almost as, as if they're echoing the religious intolerance that I grew up with. And, yeah. and so that's that's a danger. And, and I think We're that's large. forced into camps, Michael, is one of the reasons. Yeah. You know? So what, what I think is my, my, almost my latest um, obsession <laughs> is... Uh, it's just the structures of dialogue within society. Yeah. Like, it's it, it's almost less, it's becoming less relevant to me what people believe and what they want than is how they're trying to pursue what they want. Mm. And, and I, I think we're, we're in danger of of regressing in, into so uh, more authoritarian yeah. tribalism in terms so of... The, the, the honest, decent, religious person who's never been in favour of abortion uh, thinks gay marriage is just... It's just not the right thing. Call it something else. It's not the same as marriage. But but that person, it's a deep uh, sin, secular sin, to shove that person out of the conversation just just because you don't agree with them. Yeah, I mean, I um, I'm friends with David Quinn. Oh, you're friends yeah, with him. Right? Uh, yeah, we have lunch and, and, and stuff like that. I'm delighted you to know. hear it because he, 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 he's, he's a cultured adversary. I, I had yeah. the odd uh, um, Twitter exchange with him, invariably polite and courteous, which is refreshing in itself. Yeah. Now, I completely disagree with most of his worldview, yeah. um, including football teams. <laughs> but, um, but, but I respect him as an individual human who believes something and, 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 and who is 
peacefully and democratically promoting what he believes is best for society. Yeah. And the fact that I disagree with him is neither here nor there. I mean, what, what we need is more people who disagree with each other to tease out those disagreements yeah. in a civil manner because that's that's how you get better solutions. Well, look, a fascinating future we're heading out. I, 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 are you planning to hang around and enjoy lots of it? I, I'm, I'm going to give it at least another 50 or 60 years myself before I reflect. So how about you? Ah, oh, yeah. Well, I'm kind of, I've just passed 60 now. So my, my theory on, on, on life is that if you live to 100 mm-hmm. and if you discount the first 20 years because you're just getting ready for yeah, life. Yeah. So 20 to 100 is 80 years. I'm 60, so I'm halfway through that. So I'm just early middle age. That sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. Um, so, Michael, if people want to get in touch with you, Atheist Ireland is the website. Yes, and uh, atheist.ie. Um, we're, we're also atheist.ie on, on Twitter. Uh, if you have particularly if you have problems with, with, with education, uh, if your parent has problem, problem, mm. problems in your, in your local school, our human rights officer, Jane Donnelly, deals with, uh, with that, that area. And you can contact Jane at humanrights.atheist.ie. We have another website called teachdon'tpreach.ie where we have all of the information on, on the uh, religious influence on the education system and sample letters for parents to bring to their local school if their child hasn't been allowed to, to, to exercise their constitutional right to not attend religious instruction and all of the relevant you know court cases and and debates yeah. on on, uh, on the, the the religious influence on education in ireland very good fascinating uh, michael nugent thank you very much you're welcome so that's michael nugent i hope you enjoyed the chat do remember to check out previous episodes where i meet people like dermot ferreter nula carey frankie sheehan Teresa mannion paul williams and others it's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Just Google Driving Life with Connor Faulkner and you can email me at connorfaulkner at gmail.com. Until next time, drive safely, live happily and come back and see us again. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.